Gifts, money, time, and energy. People give and receive these all year long, but there's something about the end of the year and the holiday season when people are especially inclined to give. It's a beautiful thing, but today I'm thinking about what it truly means to give. How what we give physically, emotionally, and mentally to people and causes we care about is tied to our identity and culture, and how the act of giving can be rewarding, but also feel like something we have to do. And FYI, this doesn't have to be about just giving money. When it comes to building wealth in our relationships and our communities through active service, how do we keep a sense of compassion at the center rather than being driven by ego or some sense of entitlement? How can we make the practice of giving and supporting others more intentional and meaningful all year long and not just at the end of the year when it feels expected? I'm excited to get into this. I'm Lauren Simmons, and this is Mind Body Wealth. A few years ago, when I was back home with my family during winter break, a fire broke out in the middle of the night while we were sleeping. I woke up and there was bright orange outside my window. It took me a minute to realize what was going on. I just remember the air was hot and there was smoke everywhere. In that moment, we thought that our house was on fire, so we ran outside. Once we made it out, we quickly realized that it was actually the house across the street that was in flames. The family that lived there thankfully made it out safely, but it was completely devastating to watch their house just burn. I couldn't even imagine what they were feeling. Without even thinking, I ran back inside with my family and we gathered a whole bunch of blankets and canned food and whatever else they needed in that moment. We told them whatever they needed, we were there for them and we meant it. That was one of the most vivid moments for me and my life that I truly understood what it felt like to be of service to someone with no expectations or agenda. To give without a sense of entitlement that calls into question the motivation for giving in the first place. Maybe it was the circumstances, maybe it was the time of year, but the gesture from one family to another just meant so much more to me than all the times that I simply gave by donating to a food bank or donating book supplies at school. It was the power of intentionally giving, of being able to help someone when they most needed it, that really got me thinking, how can I be better about giving on a regular basis? That brings me to my guest today, Nora Tagori. Nora is a force and I admire her for the ways in which she uses her voice and platform as a storyteller to be of service to others in a way that's reflective of the culture and values central to her identity as a Muslim woman in the US. I met Nora a few years ago and she is about as boss as they come. She definitely does it all. She's an award-winning journalist, a producer, and a storyteller. At 28, she has built an engaged community of over 2 million social media followers while also garnering international praise as one of the media's most influential new voices. In 2019, she debuted her consulting and production company, At Your Service, and she currently hosts Podcast Noir, 
a show where, as she puts it, she collaborates with fellow storytellers to bring her own untold stories for the first time or the right time. I promise you're going to love her. Hey, Nor, I'm so excited for you to be on the show today. Welcome to Mind Body Wealth. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. So you did an interview a few years ago and you talked about wearing your hijab and how that's a declaration of your relationship with God. And for you, I'm quoting your exact words, it's a daily reminder for living for something that is bigger than you. You are on this planet to do good and to serve other people and to leave a footprint to do everything with the intention of pleasing God. Tell me what it means to serve other people. Mm. It's interesting to hear you say that to me and like share those words with me because I am constantly evolving. So I relate to that version of myself. And also I think that I have a little bit of a different perspective now. I think that specifically with serving other people, like I said, it has to come from a place of like you've already served yourself. Like you have done the work on your soul too. And that doesn't mean that you have to do all of that work and then you go and you be of service to others in your community. But it means that like you are giving from a place where you know and you are in intimate relationship with your own tank, making sure that you have the resources to give. I start there and then I trickle outward. So then I'm like, how can I be of service to the people immediately around me, to my inner child, to my family, to my local community? And then how can I continue, like, is there a part of what I'm doing that I can give on more of a global scale? And, you know, I don't even think about it this, like, critically and then go and strategize around it. I think that that's just, like, the philosophy that I've been able to pull from how I already move, how I already work. And so um, a lot of that is just, like, when you choose to show up in your authentic power, in yourself, you are constantly giving permission to other people to do the same. And that is a form of being of service to others. Then there's also, of course, like the being of direct service to other people. My family has had a foundation, the ICU foundation, where we've worked with um, alleviating local homelessness in the DMV area. And we've had this for like, since I was a kid, so 14 years. And that has been like answering a direct call from our community. So asking people specifically what they need right now and showing up for them in that way. And I think that that traditional sense of giving is still like on the same parallel spectrum as being able to show up for yourself. And in turn, like, I think now the way that I think about, even specifically like with you mentioning the hijab, like I've realized that what I really care about is always working towards choice and always working towards authenticity and being able to choose for yourself, being able to like, and being free, being open and being free. And those parts of myself that I dance with now, like, am I free yet? Are there things I'm still attached to? Are there things that like, am I doing certain things for people or am I doing them for myself or am I doing them for God? Like all of those questions still like do this dance in my head. But at the end of the day, if we guide people in being able to choose for themselves and be open, I think a lot of us find answers that we're looking for. I'm not going to lie. So we're around the same age and I just am so enamored by how you 
project to the world, and I'm sure you are having conversations with yourself internally, but you know who your identity is. And you don't let that sway, whether it's what you wear, what you talk about, um, advocating for the right things, advocating for your voice, and doing that at such a young age, um, or even through the power of storytelling, like you know, you you being a journalist and, and how you share stories. Talk to us a little bit about what that journey has been like to find your identity and to be so rooted in that and not having that change in any kind of way. Mm. Well, thank you so much. I think that identity is definitely something I've been unpacking because it's been the lens that I've looked at myself through most of my life because I have constantly, as I've worked to collect stories, have worked to find pieces of myself and answers about myself and other people. And I still do that. Like I am able to connect with the person who like is traditionally on the complete polar end of a spectrum of like version of human as me. And I think that that also comes down to like the fundamental notion of identity, which actually Cornell West speaks to in his masterclass, which is about identity is people wanting protection, association, and acknowledgement, I think is the last one. It may be different, but it comes down to this idea of like us needing to be seen, heard, and valued. And the constructs of identity is what I'm kind of challenging right now because I've always been so sure in who I am, but the more that I'm on this journey of like openness, the more that I realize I want to let go of labels. I want to let go of like named identities because I want to allow myself the freedom to be able to expand and evolve at any point in time. And oftentimes now, like, I mean, we saw this just even politically when people have a very specific political identity and they're very vocal about it. People are less inclined to challenge the way that they think about issues because they've stuck to this one identity that they feel like they can't waver from. And there's this like societal pressure in play of like, once you've discovered your identity, stick to that. But we've always been evolving creatures. Like human beings have always been evolving. I think now that we have social media and the internet and we're able to live document our evolution, people think that we can't evolve or it becomes hypocritical. But I really believe that it's important for us to evolve and be transparent about it too so that we help guide people and give them permission to do the same. Yeah, we should continuously grow and evolve and if your foundation is making sure that you you know know your true self identity and you're authentic so that you can be able to be a good giver it requires that relationship to continue to keep evolving and growing like if you were the same person i don't think that you can continue to essentially serve people or be a good giver in that sense and if you choose not to evolve that means you're not giving to yourself and that too yeah because it's not just about giving to other people to give to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It's not a selfish thing. It's something that, you, it's like a requirement to being able to expand on the capacity that we all have to love. I would love for you to share the story about your mom telling you to look at giving as not a favor, but as an opportunity for the receiver. So my mom and I would do uh, monthly grocery runs to this shelter in Baltimore. I mean, and they still facilitate grocery runs to local shelters. And one of the times that we had gone, 
we um, dropped everything off and we got in the car and she started tearing up and she said, I never want you to think that when we do these grocery runs that we're doing them a favor. In fact, they're doing us a favor. They're giving us the opportunity to serve. They're giving us the opportunity to give. And we are just, you know, it's not, it, it wasn't even our choice that like, we get to be the givers in this equation, but don't for a second ever think that you wouldn't be on the other end. Like, And that's also a reason why it's so important to have true compassion, which also Dr. West talks about the difference between compassion and pity and pity being something where we're looking down upon people, we're spectating on people and compassion is becoming an active participant. It's getting down and, and saying, what can I, how can I be of service to you? Like, how did you get into this situation? How can I see you? How can I make, like, how can I be a part of this? And so I think active participation and utilizing your compassion muscle is really key. And in order to do that, it has to be by taking these opportunities to give. And giving isn't always financial. Obviously, we're not all in a position to give financially. I mean, even with the grocery runs, like we were giving with our time and our energy and we were collecting contributions from people in the community who decided that they wanted to be a part of this effort too. It's like, it's completely reframing how we see traditional charity. That's a beautiful story. And I love what you said, how giving doesn't have to be monetary. I struggle in the sense of like financially, yes, I could be able to give to charities and so on and so forth. But as I've gone down the spiritual holistic path rooted in most religions or even new self-age philosophies like, you know, gratitude and giving and receiving and being able to give. In my mind, I think, okay, if I give, I know the universe is going to give back to me, right? But I don't want to operate in a selfish way of like, okay, so I'm going to give money even if it's subconsciously, I'm going to receive something in return. So a practice that I have been doing uh, for the past like half year to give without someone knowing that I'm giving, every night in my journal, I've been, this is a practice that's now going on two years, always write, you know, a reflection piece, what I'm grateful for. But the last six months, I have been writing people that I meet or don't meet, whether it's I'm on the phone with customer service or whatever, I will send a prayer to one person, one new person that I meet every single day. Money is energy, right? So like you can give positive energy. You can impact people's lives through the power of energy. And so for me, I'd rather give in a space where I know the person doesn't know that they're receiving it. So then I feel good about not expecting anything in return. I love that. I love that practice. And also, I don't know, I think it's okay to feel good when we give. Like, I don't think it takes away from the deed so long as your intention was to give and not to show off. Like, I think that when your intention is, like, I think everything originates from your intention and then everything else, like, you kind of move through. But that's a really beautiful way to clarify your intention. Does giving ever feel like a chore to you? So when you think of the word giving in the traditional sense, my immediate answer is no, because I've always reframed or had giving framed as an opportunity. And then when you think about it a little bit deeper, outside of the traditional sense of you giving to somebody who might need something, what I am still working on is recognizing when I'm giving without realizing that I am and knowing how to check in with myself 
if I have anything left to give. Like I went through this period this last month where I felt so depleted and tired and fatigued and felt like I was just on edge. And it was because I didn't catch earlier that I had been giving too much from a place where like I needed to be refilled. So I wouldn't say a chore, but it is, I think, a bigger responsibility than a simple transaction. So let's dig a little deeper into that. So you essentially are giving too much that yourself is being depleted. How do you work through that? And what does that mean, giving too much, essentially? Well, I had this moment with a friend last week who I saw in Italy, and I hadn't seen her in a while. And I was so excited to see her and a group of my other friends that night. But I was so tired and I was so fatigued that... I realized, and what I said was, I just don't want to be around my friends while not being the version of me that they know so well. And so I got out of the car, I saw my friend, and immediately I just started crying. And she was just like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm very honest with just anybody. So I just told her. And she said, I enjoy being in your presence, even if you are in silence. And... I would prefer actually tonight for you to be in silence and just stay silent and let us love on you and let us enjoy you because then I'll know that you're working on yourself and you're healing. And it actually took her saying those words to me for me to realize that, whoa, like I just didn't have anything to give. And honestly, those words actually filled my tank. So I ended up having a great night and I spent time hanging out with people and like I showed up as myself, but it was like this reminder that when you feel like you're spinning, that you need to check in with yourself. And I was lucky that I had somebody check in with me immediately, but like now I know to be more clear with myself when that happens. Yeah, I'm the type of person when I am depleted, I, you know, I'm a Leo, but I I love to get re-energized through people, but by myself. So when I can't give much more and I have given all the energy, I will go on these hiatuses um, where, you know, my friends are like, wow, what's going on? And I'm like, I just need a moment to center, re-energize and to come back out. And it's nice to hear that you were going through this in real time and that your friend It's like, I don't want anything from you. Like, I want to still be around you, even if it means you're not the, you know, shining as bright as you could be. And I love that. That's really beautiful to hear. We are in the holiday season, and this is the time of year that people love giving. But once the holiday season passes, everyone kind of goes back to their everyday routine. How can we make this a practice that we live by every single day? It starts with yourself. And I think expanding on how you define giving. That is like a big thing to start with because I don't know if most people define giving in the way that we've just discussed it. So challenge your definition of to give. Try to pinpoint other times, other places where you've given time and energy that you may not have thought about that as giving. And then think about how you can do those things more intentionally. And naturally, you'll start to see opportunity open itself up right in front of you. 
and you'll see opportunity in things that you never would have seen opportunity for. You would see, and you'll see more ways to give because of that new expanded definition. So I really think that it's like, it's almost a spiritual practice of opening yourself up. And it's not about giving more, giving differently than you do in the holiday season. It's just, do you want to add giving to your lifestyle? Yes or no? And Adam Grant writes a really amazing book called Give and Take, that breaks down in the most psychologist and business theory way why being a giver is so magnificent and important. I definitely will have to add that book to my list. Um, I'm always looking for a good book to read. I'm curious, how does storytelling and using your specific platform fit within your approach to giving? I mean, my storytelling company is called At Your Service. I believe in storytelling as a form of service. And for me, the intention behind it is that every time you tell a story, you make people feel less alone and you make people feel seen, heard, and valued. And so it's more of like constantly going through this evolution and realizing that the people that you thought were different than you are actually a part of you and you are a part of them. And the more that we realize that, the more we can build compassion towards ourselves and towards others, the more that we're able to actually build a community that is able to deliver impacts in a clear and integral way. How can we build a community coming out of the year, the last few years that we've had where everyone's been so isolated and alone? How do you cultivate that? I think by being very, very, very honest is a really great way to start. Um, something that I've been telling people is like, when people ask how I am and the answer is like, I'm not, act I'm actually like really struggling right now. I don't care who asks me that. I'm going to be honest in how I respond because I think it's important to let people witness you and it, in turn, you give people permission to do the same. And that honesty is also takes up a lot less energy than it would take to lie because you think you're making somebody feel more comfortable. And when you do that, every time you're honest to yourself and to others, and then give permission to people to do the same, you're naturally connecting. And so I know that for me, there are people in the last couple of years that I've talked to a handful of times, just a handful of times, and I have felt exponentially closer to them. And our connection is one that's made a direct impact on me. And it's a choice. It's a choice every day to show up and to be honest and to be open. And it's a simple choice. It doesn't mean it's an easy choice. It's a simple choice. But every single time you make that choice, you're getting yourself closer to the community and the life that you are aspiring for. That is so beautiful, Noor. What keeps you motivated, especially in these moments where it's, you know, not all peaches and cream? I realized recently that if I make this intention that I want to be more open and feel lighter or experience more light, then I think I always assumed that it would be easy because when you hear the word open or you hear the word light, it feels light, it feels breezy. And what I'm realizing is, yes, to get there or to experience that feels that way and feels lighter, but the process and the journey is not easy. It's filled with hard choices. It's filled with challenges and, and things being thrown at you and spontaneity and life, just life happening. And so what motivates me these days is actually something that my husband said to me last week when I was like feeling really down and he said, you know, one of the reasons you're probably going through this right now is so that you can teach us 
how to get out of it when you do. And I don't know why that like flipped a switch for me because I realized, oh, I can totally reframe this. Like I can be intentional and active about pulling myself out of this so that I can have more compassion when I know somebody else is going through it and I can provide some guidance. Like that's always been like how I grow and how I learn and I embrace the process of building resilience. I mean, it's not easy. It's pretty exhausting, but I love working hard. I love the challenge. And what motivates me even more is seeing like the direct impact of it. I mean, I have four younger siblings and seeing them fundamentally change. If I tell them, if I say a couple of words to them or if I listen to them intently, like you know that when you've done that work on yourself, and then you share it with other people and not in a preachy way or anything. It's just by being. It proves the power of making those hard choices. Yeah. And even if you don't connect with every person who you share like your journey with, or especially these moments where you're going through hard times, they have to be in a place to receive. But the ones that are in a place to receive, they will lean into this all the way and they will be forever grateful for people like you, for anyone who can share these experiences. Thank you so much for your time today, Noor. I really appreciated the conversation and you definitely have lifted my spirits through this holiday season. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Okay, I know I say this about all my guests, but I can honestly say I truly enjoyed this conversation with Noor. When she said, if you choose not to evolve, you aren't giving to yourself. Oh my goodness, that really stuck with me. It was music to my ears. But I'm gonna take this a step further. I'm receiving it as an invitation to continue to be more open, thoughtful, and creative in the ways I give and in the ways I show up for the people around me and the new ones that I'll meet along my path. So my challenge to myself and the same challenge that I'm going to put on you all as we close out this year and go into a new one. First, I want you all to set an intention to work on the most important relationship. It's the relationship with yourself. I know that this is broad and a little vague, but every person has to take their own approach to developing a deeper relationship with themselves. Okay, number two, I want you to grab that journal and your pen and I want you to write out a few instances where you've given that been intentional versus transactional moment. And with these transactional experiences, I want you to dig a little deeper and write a couple of active ways that you could have changed that dynamic. This isn't about overthinking and getting in your head and thinking about the could have, should have, would have. It's an exercise in thinking ahead and being optimistic about how you've grown and evolved and how you will continue to grow in this aspect of your life. And three, I want you all to be humble and to be gentle with yourself and with others. With all my heart, I truly believe that the energy that we put out in this universe, we get back full circle. That is why it's so important to be mindful about it. And speaking of showing up, as my best, most honest, open self, a final note, I'm going to be taking a much needed break over the next few weeks to rest and recharge a little R&R. 
In the meantime, I'll still have some great conversations coming your way over on my Money Moves channel on Spotify's Green Room, and the audio will also be on this feed as well. So look forward to some fresh takes from Mind Body Wealth in the new year. And I'm wishing you, your family, and everyone dear to you happy holidays, and I'll see you in 2022. Be sure to follow Mind Body Wealth only on Spotify. Until 2022. Mind Body Wealth with Lauren Simmons is a Spotify original production from Best Case Studios. It's executive produced by Lauren Simmons and produced by Ayana Angel. From Spotify, executive producers are Gina Delbach and Jifa Yador. Producer is Tierra Darnell. Executive producer for Best Case is Adam Pincus. Our associate producer is Ali Gallo. Our editor is Galen Mullins. And our assistant editor is Alana Myers. Thanks to Marmoset and Five Alarm for this music. And special thanks to Kevin Pham, Lauren Chin, Colin Frederick, Hannah Lebowitz Lockhart at Best Case, Evan Tarantino, Free Bird, Amanda Long, Jordan Tochinski at Spotify for production support, and Ashley Acevedo and Arabella Roberts at Artists First.